Happy Friday, everyone. Welcome to Somewhere in the Middle with Michelle Berard. I'm your host, Michelle Berard, founder and CEO of Urban Book Editor. And I am very happy to share this hour with you where we examine all those places where spirit meets life and the joys and challenges that may bring. Now you guys know that I like to start out by thanking Ms. Beverly Black and Tribe Family Channel for helping me create this space for us. Tribe Family Channel is home to an assortment of thought-provoking shows that explore life, spirit, business, and culture, including The Woman at the Well, hosted by Ms. Beverly Black herself. Somewhere in the Middle was born on Tribe Family Channel, and though we've grown onto our own platform, we are ever grateful and loyal to our roots. To paraphrase an African proverb, we are here only because we stand on the shoulders of those who came before us. I want to say thank you to my guest on the April 12th show, creative entrepreneur Tracy Ariel. Tracy and I chatted about creating the life you want and sharing your story and creativity through writing. You can connect with Tracy at her website, notablenonfiction.com. And if you missed that show, make sure you listen to the replay. You can find our complete show archives, including the April 12th show, at the Somewhere in the Middle podcast.com. I also want to shout out Bruce George of the Genius is Common movement, which encourages all of us to embrace our inner genius and share it with the world. This is a really important message, and we really should share it with the youth. But it's not just for the youth, guys. Sometimes we all need to be reminded that the world needs our genius. Learn more about the Genius is Common movement at geniusiscommon.com. Now, I am really happy to reintroduce you to tonight's guest. She's been on our show before, and she also joins me for our segment, True Talk, right here on Somewhere in the Middle. Julia Renee Black is a content writer with over 15 years of experience writing and editing many document types for various audiences. She's a former technical writer and easily and thoroughly molds technical content into simple, clear language that the average person can understand. She understands the rules of website content, press releases, nonfiction and fiction books, blog posts, poetry, and technical documents. 
As a former teacher and corporate employee, she has a complete understanding of the most recent trends in grammar, punctuation, and diction rules, and how these should be used in many writing scenarios. In addition to her comprehensive writing abilities, she has a thorough understanding of holistic health practices, having researched and used them for her own health. Julia has combined these skills when starting her business, Blacksmith Writing, which she created to offer copywriting and content writing skills to the health and wellness industry. So welcome Julia Black to Somewhere in the Middle with Michelle Berard. Thanks, thanks for having me. Well, you have been on the show before, and um, yes, and we so we kind of we know uh, about you. We know um, that you're a writer. We know that you are uh, copywriting is your specialty, and especially with regards to small businesses. And so, I'm curious now, what kinds of projects have you been working on for your clients, and you know, what kinds of things are you advising your clients regarding? the writing, the copywriting that they should be doing or should have for their business? Well, um, everything, as you know, everything internet and technology related changes pretty quickly. Um, and the same thing is true uh, for websites. So if you wrote a website five, 10 years ago, um, chances are it's the, the content is outdated. So you know, whether or not the platform and how user-friendly it is is outdated um, is one thing, but the content is another. So where five, 10 years ago, um, everything was, let's put all kinds of content on the internet and on your website in the hopes that that would encourage people to use you. Um, what we're finding now is that things are, uh, it's very much a less is more kind of situation. Um, we're looking at super simple, um, you know, arguments and marketing material about why they should use your services. We're also finding that people are uh, meant to, uh, or the things that are more engaging are more personal stories about why you got into doing what you're doing and why you love your business and why you chose this business. Uh, it's actually called story branding. Um, and it's a really engaging way that people are um, getting clients because what it does is that you, you tell a few stories about your life, you tell stories about why you're doing what you're doing, and that is meant to give enough information about you so that people can decide whether or not their values align with yours and whether, you should, whether they should use you. So it's kind of like when I asked my two questions at the top of the show, which I didn't ask you because you've been on the show before, mm -hmm. who are you and how did you become who you are today? Exactly. Uh, everything is about stories. And so you can find on my website, I wrote a story um, about why, uh, about me and writing and my history with writing and why I chose um, to start a copywriting business and why I chose, I mean, the, the specific, um, industry that I chose is uh, kind of the holistic health industry. So there's a lot of talk about that. I mean, I can, um, but small businesses in general, um, every, they all fit into the same category. Um, people that own a small business have very specific reasons for why they did it. Um, you know, even if it, you know, even if they didn't 
necessarily get into the industry because they love what they're doing. They got into the industry because it made money or it, it allowed them a flexible schedule or um, it created an opportunity for them to make more money than they could when they were working in a corporate atmosphere. All of those things um, are important as part of story branding. And how does story branding help the business owner connect? Well, people connect with story. Um, so even though like the last, I don't know, forever, um, there's always some kind of a, an assessment that says that people aren't reading as many books as they used to, but that doesn't mean that people aren't attached to story. I mean, this is the reason why um, uh, reality television is so big, is that you get to follow somebody's life, you get to see what they are like, you get to see what their values are like, um, and that's how people connect. You connect through story, you connect through shared experiences. And so as you share these experiences, even if it's through writing, people have a greater chance of connecting with you than if you just included all of the great, amazing, you know, education that you have and all of your experience. Um, that's important too, but it's not, but people aren't gonna connect with the fact that you got your master's in accounting unless they're accountants. And if you are an accountant, chances are accountants aren't your demographic. <laughs> they're not your ideal client. Um, so you wanna share stories that will get people to connect with you. So, you know, how does that, I mean, I guess I, I, I end up wondering, how does that translate for a person who maybe is a little reticent about sharing their personal story or do, doesn't know what part of their personal story or, if, or doesn't even think they have a personal story. Have you run across business owners that don't really think they have a personal story oh, yeah. associated with their business? Yeah, yeah. So in fact, I can walk, I can walk through the whole process. So I've got a, I've got a questionnaire that uh, if we're, if, if, if I'm working with somebody and they're doing story branding, I've got a questionnaire that, that kind of guides them through why they started their business, why they named their business the way they did. Um, there's a whole discussion of kind of the pivotal moments, the, the aha moments that you had where it was like, oh, this is what I should be doing. And here's why we all kind of have those stories where we made a realization and it's like, oh no, I need to be doing this. And here are the reasons why you shared those stories. So you don't have to be sharing, you know, the gory details about terrible things that happened to you. You don't need to be sharing, you know, your, your private moments. Those things aren't, that's not what we're going for. You want very specific moments about why you chose to do what you did. And even if, even if you feel like, um, you don't have those, it's, you know, then the question is, why are you doing what you're doing? Oh, mm. you know, why, why? Because if you, because, because no one in, from my opinion, no one just decides to start a business. You know, there, there's, there's a whole, it's not just, oh, well, um, you know, I, I need to make money, so let me just do this. Okay, but why did you choose that? Why did you choose to be a house cleaner instead of a baker? Why did you choose to be a, 
to, to have a landscaping co company instead of um, a house painting company. All of those reasons are important to the story. So it could be something as simple as my dad was a house painter, his mm -hmm. dad was a house painter, and his dad was a house painter. Yeah. So and I know generation house yeah. painters and we know what we're doing and we love your house. We love houses. You know, and it could be something as simple as that. It can be something as simple as that because the fourth generation house painter probably knows a lot more tricks about how how to make sure that the paint dries right, how to make sure that they don't overpaint or underpaint or that the paint is all even, or they can do, you know, um, interesting designs that they need to. You know, my, my, my brother-in-law paints movie sets um, and he's been doing it for a long time and his dad painted movie sets and he's been doing it for a long time. So, you, I mean, they can, make, they can make styrofoam look like distressed wood that's been around for hundreds of years. Wow. Um, because that is what they do because they've spent so much time doing it. That's important mm -hmm. to the story. Yeah. You may not think it's interesting, um, you know, but, but the history behind it actually is. That's how people, um, that's how people connect. And you know, you said something really interesting there. You said, you may not think it's interesting. And I think a lot of times, we don't think that what we are doing is very interesting or special or different because we do it every day. If exactly. you do it every day to you, it's like, well, this is just what I do. It's no big deal. Mm -hmm. No. And yeah, I was talking to, I was talking to somebody a couple of weeks ago and we were trying to, I'm, I'm, I'm helping her kind of revamp her website and make it, make, make it a little more engaging. Um, and she actually has a web development company. And so it was, okay, but why did you, why did you decide to start this business? And she's like, oh, well, I was a single mom and this allowed me the time to, to be a mom and, and, uh, you know, go to school and do, do drop-offs and all that stuff and get me enough money so that I can take care of her. And it's like, that's your story. You may not think it's, you know, you may not think it's interesting or that's just kind of how it happened, but that's your story. That's an important story. Yeah. That's an important story to tell. People will connect. There are lots of people that will connect with that. Well, I mean, it says so many things. It says family values. Mm -hmm. It says hard work and dedication. It, you know what I mean? It says mm -hmm. so many things. There are a lot of different areas where people could, could connect with that. Exactly. So are, what other kinds of things are you advising your clients in terms of, like you mentioned, you know, platforms. And this is, mm -hmm. this is a big one. Cause actually in, it's so weird, you know, from a tech standpoint, right. You know, I look at websites and all that and I, uh, you know, cause it, my inner geek just loves this kind of thing. And I take different courses. There was, there was actually a tendency to have this kind of retro look sometimes on certain types of websites, Mm -hmm. Going back to the horrible looking websites of the early internet, if you remember some of those. Oh, I remember. I worked in a web development company in the 90s. I remember. Then you remember when, I mean, when basically just drawing a box was a challenge. Uh -huh. um, and so it's, it's really interesting to see that there actually are people who are designing like that on purpose in some cases. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I run across is folks who have no idea how to build a website. 
and they're trying to do this on their own, usually because of budgetary reasons or just because they're curious, mm -hmm. but they're really making really horrible, horrible looking websites. And I don't know about you, but for me, it's my, I, if I see a really ugly website, I oftentimes won't even stay on it and yeah. look at it because these days the websites look so good. Yeah. I would agree with that. And, and, and for me also the content has to be there. So if you have really sterile content, um, or if the content isn't grammatically correct, or if it's clear that whoever wrote it just threw it together, um, or they thought that, um, they thought that they would save some money and write their content and then we're hoping that the web designers were going to edit it and, and make it and polish it and a lot mm -hmm. of times they don't a web designer is a web designer they're right. not writers right um sometimes you know if you if you get a good web developer they'll have a content writer on board but that's generally going to be more money because they have to hire you know because there's a lot of there's a lot of work involved in making sure that your text, that your content is engaging and inviting. Um, and correct. And correct. <laughs> yeah, people don't realize how much work editing is labor intensive. We're not even gonna get into the writing piece of it. But no. editing, it, editing somebody's work is very labor intensive. Mm -hmm. So it just plain costs money to have people do that. Yeah. But, but what, what kinds of things are you finding that your clients are maybe trying to cut corners on? Um, editing. Um, <laughs> the one thing they really should not cut real, The one thing that they really should not, um, editing. Um, I'm also finding that um, things like blog posts, they'll write a blog post, which is great, um, but they won't format it. So it'll be you know a three paragraph blog post that's in one paragraph complete oh, wow. with, you know, or they'll, um, they'll write a blog post that has no links to any of the information that you're giving. Um, blog posts are lovely and, and I really think they're, they're a really perfect medium for a lot of things to say on the internet. But mm -hmm. when you're giving kind of research back information, you need to link to wherever you got that information. Otherwise you're just, saying stuff and there's nothing to back it up so they don't give any links they don't give any um there's no pictures um there's nothing that kind of makes it look pretty um or they are um they're putting up they're making you know for a lot of the for a lot of the people um i'm finding that a lot of the the people that have been in business for a long time um, you know, if they've been doing something for 20 or 30 years, that the website was something that they knew that they needed, but didn't really want to spend a whole lot of time on because they thought that it wasn't getting them a lot of clients. Um, because all of their clients came from in person networking and other things. And so they have a website that um, that is kind of the content is thrown together because they want to save money and web designers are expensive, but they, they're like, Oh, I can just write it myself. And then they find that, you know, um, the blog posts are pictures of flyers, um, that they, that they're passing, that they're handing out or, right. um, you know, the blog or the blog links to, um, a Facebook page. It's, it's just a link. <laughs> so right. it's just like, it's got the date and a very long URL that you are meant to click on. Um, and no other information. You're just clicking on the link and it's sending you somewhere else. It, you know, it doesn't work that way. Um, 
Well, and I, I, I think it's interesting that people, so many people like to rely on Facebook or Instagram or whatever to grow their businesses. And some people don't even have websites. And I am a, I am completely against that. I know a lot of people say, oh, you don't need a website to start a business. No, you don't need a website to start a business. But I think that it's, it's I think it's really important these days because the first thing I do, if I, if somebody asks, um, you know, says, oh, I have a business, blah, blah, blah. First thing I do is go look up their website. Oh yeah. That's Google the very them. first thing I do. Uh -huh. The That's second thing I do, if, if I see they have a Facebook page and they don't have a website, I wonder why don't they have a website? Because from a business standpoint, Facebook can lock you out tomorrow. Everything on the Facebook platform technically belongs to Facebook. They could decide you could just have somebody flag you saying that you're doing something wrong or their AI, because they use artificial intelligence to analyze a lot of stuff, which is one of the challenges I think over there. AI still has a lot to learn. Um, they can flag you for something and all of a sudden you can't get into your page. And yeah. then what? All your business contacts are there. That's how you've been contacting everybody through Facebook or through Instagram and which Instagram is now owned by Facebook. So when you think about that, you're handing your business, you're handing the keys to your business over to someone else who, let me tell you from personal experience, really hard to get help from them when you need help. Yeah. I mean, I've gone for hours trying to get a human being to answer a question for me on Facebook and I pay them money for advertising. <laughs> not, not as much as Coca-Cola probably does or some other big company, right. but just saying as a paying customer, not, not just somebody on there talking to my kids on Facebook, I would expect to get better customer service. And it just doesn't exist because they rely so much on AI. So what kinds of things are you telling your clients about having a website? Like, is it important? Do, what are you recommending to them? And I, how should they link their website with their social media and so forth? Right. I think, it, it, well, what I'm telling, what I'm suggesting is going to change depending on the business itself, right? So there's a woman mm -hmm. I'm working with now who's, who's a massage therapist. She's got a massage therapy business. She works a lot of times out of a um, at a chiropractor's office. So a lot of her patient, a lot of her clients come from the chiropractor's office, but she's also got her own business. She's been around for two or three years and everybody's bugging her about getting a website. Does she need a big complicated website? No, she needs like a landing page and an about me page. You know, she needs three pages. She needs the homepage. She needs about me page and she needs a, a brief discussion of her services. That's all I think she needs, you know, and like a con and like an information on, the information on how to contact her about scheduling. That's all she needs. I would add another page in there because I hate I hate going and having to contact somebody another way to schedule them. Why not integrate your calendar? It's so yeah. easy to do. And I with her, yeah, I suggested that as well. She's not ready to do that yet. Um, but everybody's got different way, different reasons for why that's the case. But yeah, right. you, can, you should be able to at some point just kind of have it all there. Um, some people particularly want a little bit more control over, they feel like they need more control over scheduling. And so that's, that's right. their prerogative and that's fine, but you don't need right. a super complicated website. You know, you, a lot of times a landing page will do, it just gives you right. some information on what the business is, who you are and why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't have to be, you know, and there's a lot of. And particularly because I'm working with 
the holistic health industry, there's a lot of people that are like, oh, I, I don't, I don't like working on the computer and they're, they're kind of shying away from that altogether. Um, and part of that has to do with the fact that they want to focus on their clients, which I get, of course you want to focus on your clients. You don't want to, you don't want to be in front of a computer all day. That's probably why you decided to do what you do. That's fine. Um, you know, the same, the, the reason why I'm a content writer is because I want to help people who don't want to write or who they're too busy to write. That's fine. You know, if you're, if you're an accountant or you have, you know, your life coach or you are, you know, an attorney with, you know, a small little office, that's fine. You need to be working with your clients and that's where your that's where your um, focus needs to be. And that's fine. But writing content that is engaging to others is a, is a task that is not easy to do. It's not the same kind of writing that you would do if you were writing a legal brief or um, an email to somebody or a business letter or it's a different spin completely. Right. Well, and what kinds of things should the business owners be thinking about when they're developing their marketing language or let me, let me back up. Is there a difference between marketing language and sales language? Um, yes and no. Marketing language leads to sales language. Um, with marketing, you're, um, you're promoting who you are, you're promoting what you do, or you're promoting a product. Sales language, from my perspective, sales language is like the, the call to action at the bottom that says, now you should buy. Um, or the kind of like the encouragement language um, to prompt you to click. Um, but marketing, marketing is, a, is, is a large category that includes sales language. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, okay. So, um, but marketing language is used to sell products. It's also used to um, talk about your business. It's used to talk about yourself. It's used to, um, you know, talk about why we should be choosing you over somebody else. So do you advise um, business people to start developing their marketing language on their own? Or are you advising them, hey, come find somebody like me and let us work with you on that initially so that it cuts time, it cuts, I mean, what, what is your, yeah, I think what is if, your preferred strategy? If you're, if you're not a writer um, or if you, write, if you write documents that are different than marketing language, it's definitely, it's a different animal altogether. Um, so I would advise that you at least to talk to somebody um, or so that they can guide you in the way that things need to be. Um, if you don't have, you know, if, if you're, if you're a brand new business and you don't have a whole lot of, um, money set aside for a content writer, um, you know, for me, I offer editing services as well. So if you want to write it all, that's fine. Then I can just kind of frame it and polish it up so that it looks okay. So there are different packages that you can choose that we can work with that will reflect what your budget is and what you can do. Um, 
but it's a different, you know, it's, it's, it's the difference between writing a novel and writing a business letter. There's a big difference. <laughs> um, so it's, 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 you know, do I, do I think people need content writers if they're not already content writers? Yeah, I do. Do I, but I also know that, that businesses that are just starting out don't necessarily have, um, you know, the capital to do that. Well, and then I ask, because, I mean, there is a certain amount of investment that you should do um, up front of your business. And I, I think those things are high priority because they actually yeah. can directly impact sales. Yeah, I would. I, I agree. I completely because I can't tell you how many websites people someone will suggest something to me, some product or service, and I'll go, oh, OK, let me check it out. And the website's written terribly. And so I, you know, or it, it's it's hard to it's hard to manage because it's because of the way that it's laid out um or it's um or it's not written in, in a clear enough fashion for me to understand what they do um and if that's the case then i look elsewhere you know well and let's get into that issue of clarity i mean especially for a new business person is it sometimes that they're not clear about what they're doing and that's why their language isn't super clear um it that for for a new business i would say yeah that's part of it i mean that certainly was the case for me it took me a while to kind of figure out where i was going and what and what i thought was important to focus on um part of it too um that i found is that people just have um <laughs> this is going to sound terrible. Uh, and as a former teacher, I'm very sorry, but, um, we're kind of taught what we're taught as important in writing when you're in school is not what's important in writing when you get into the workforce. Um, teachers tell you that you need to write 10, 12 page papers on topics that you can te technically write in five pages. And then mm -hmm. you're dinged because you don't have your 12 pages of content. Um, or, and so what you do instead is you fill it up with stuff that's completely unnecessary. Um, and you don't actually find your voice and you don't then ever feel like you want to write. I think, I think there's a lot of people in this world who really hate writing and it has everything to do with the way that we're taught to write in school. Oh, uh, come on Julia, you're not, you're not giving some sort of indictment against the education system in the United States. Are you? Oh, I would never do that. I would, as a former English teacher, I would never do that. Um, but, you know, that the real, I can't, most people in my circle, most of the people I know, when they have to sit down to write anything, it is a chore and they do not want to do it. Yeah. They don't. And so um, if you're going to sit down and you need to write content for your website and it feels like a chore and it's something that you don't want to do, that's an indication that you, that there's some kind of a thing that you either need to work through or you should hire someone else to do it. Because if you don't want to do it, it's going to come across 
when everybody else reads it. And people are going to think that that means that you don't want to be doing what you're doing. And that's not the case. Because if that were the case, then you wouldn't have started your business. That's true. Well, and I would, I would offer some tips to folks, you know, who maybe, maybe they don't feel like they can um, afford to get a copywriter to help them with the writing part, but maybe they can get somebody to help with the editing part. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I know when I don't feel like writing, writing, sometimes I feel like speaking. So maybe they can mm -hmm. get something like Dragon Naturally Speaking for the computer or Dragon Anywhere and well, talk into I can your do, phone and get that transcribed. You know what I mean? Yeah, and 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 the biggest thing um, when I was when I was working in the corporate world and I was doing my own writing on the side, um, I was in the car a lot. Um, and if I was getting um, a particularly good kind of idea of things of something to say or talk something to write about, I would actually just turn on the memo, the vocal memo on my phone. Mm -hmm. And then just start talking um, and then transcribe it later. And then I could edit it and do all of that stuff later. Um, so that's one option. Um, the, 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 um, the writing or the, the talk to text um, programs that you suggested are another. Um, if you can actually write things down um, and you can get something on paper, then if you know someone in your circle who is particularly good at editing or who in their job does a lot of marketing and proposals and that kind of a thing, they can look at it for you. Um, but having, you know, having another set of eyes actually look at it is, is, is an important part of the process. I don't, if I'm writing something brand new for somebody and I'm doing the writing, I have an editor that I hire that edits things. Mm -hmm. and, and I, you know, and it's like, okay, here's, here's what we're focusing on. Let me know, you know, make suggestions on how, how to change that. And say, and, and it worked with my website. She edited my website. She knows me well enough to know, um, you know, kind of what my voice is and who I am. Um, and we've worked together for years. And so it got to a point when I, when I was, and writers will get this way. I was reading and rereading and rereading and rereading. And I knew that I was kind of at a point where I wasn't able to be any more creative with how well it sounded. So I sent it to her and I said, here are the things that I'm having a hard time with. Um, please help. And so she came back with a lot of great comments on how I can restructure things and different phrasing. Uh, and she came back with a couple of paragraphs that was like, these are too complicated. You need to change these. Okay. Cool. So I did that. So, you know, it doesn't have to be, um, you know, it doesn't have to be someone that you pay. Um, I think if you, if you do hire someone and you can set the money aside to hire someone to help edit or write your website, I think it's going to be better for you um, in the long run particularly as you're starting a business. Um, but that's not always possible depending on what you're doing and, you know, what your finances are. Yeah, that, and, I, and, and recognizing that there are limitations sometimes early on, but I, I'm gonna encourage people as an editor also, I encourage you 
to dig deep. You started your business for a reason. You want it to be as successful as possible. And, you know, well, you already heard my rant against um, using Facebook and Instagram and all of those as your primary means of contacting and being in touch with your, um, your folks, your tribe. That's, it's really important that you can control that, um, your environment so that if any, you know, if Facebook for some reason went belly up tomorrow, which you and I both know they've got more money than God and they're not going to yeah. do that. But if they went belly up tomorrow, that you wouldn't be out of business essentially and having to start from scratch. So mm-hmm. I encourage um, folks to uh, get with someone like Julia, get with a copywriter, get your website platform going and, and let's get some more businesses going, man, especially women. I want to see more women starting businesses. Because we, we, as the women go, so goes the society. That is my personal feeling. So with that, Julia, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, well, my website is blacksmithwriting.com. Um, and uh, I'm also on Facebook and Instagram at blacksmithwriting um, and LinkedIn and all of those things. Um, if... Uh, I've got a special going right now. If you have a website that you wrote um, years ago and you're not sure if it needs a refresh, I'm doing what I call a content assessment. So for a small fee, um, you, um, you'll you end up uploading um, a couple of newsletters, blog posts, uh, your website URL, and anything else that you use to market, flyers, business cards, whatever. Um, and I will take a look at them. Uh, and kind of give you some practical things that you can do to make the text more engaging. Uh, if you want to start something like a blog post, I've got a new client special uh, for, uh, you get two blog posts a month for three months, and uh, you can see how adding a blog post uh, to your regular website can kind of increase profits that way. Um, and uh, if you, you know, if you just want to chat, you can email me at julia at blacksmithwriting.com. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So guys, make sure you reach out to Julia Black at blacksmithwriting.com. Julia, thank you so, so, so much for being on Somewhere in the Middle with Michelle Burrard. Thanks for having me, Michelle. Well, that was a fabulous interview. I'm really glad that Julia was able to join me for that. We're going to take a short break for an announcement, and then we'll be back with a very short but special treat for you. Hey guys, it's me, Michelle Berard, host of Somewhere in the Middle and founder and CEO of Urban Book Editor, LLC. Are you feeling like you're stuck and can't move forward? Have you been struggling to birth a big goal like a book or a business? Are you feeling overwhelmed and looking to make changes in your career? If you're at all like me, when that deer in headlights feeling hits you, you just don't know where to begin. Yeah, you can talk with friends or family, but when you're in need of an objective opinion, it helps to speak with someone who's prepared to listen and to provide practical guidance to help you move forward. That's where a coach comes in. That's why I'm so excited to share with you that energy worker and coach Julia Black and I have teamed up to help you get unstuck and start moving towards your goals again. And to make it easy for you, we're offering a, offering a complimentary call with one of us to help you start moving forward. 
All you have to do is go to WeRiseMovement.com to schedule your free insight and inspiration call with either Julia or me. The insight and inspiration call can help you get clear about your goals, uncover hidden challenges that may be hindering your progress, discover steps you can take today to move toward accomplishing your goals, and you'll leave the session feeling renewed, re-energized, and inspired to take action. Visit WeRiseMovement.com and schedule your free insight and inspiration call today. That's WeRiseMovement.com. So we are back. And again, my name is Michelle Burrard. I am the host of Somewhere in the Middle with Michelle Burrard. Now, some of you may have been listening back in February when I aired an interview with the incomparable retired Maryland State Senator Barbara A. Robinson. We had a great interview. And if you missed it, you can find the February 15, 2019 show in the show archives at the Somewhere in the Middle podcast.com. But what you guys didn't hear in that interview is we had some really great outtakes, and I wanted to share a bit of that with you. In this snippet, Senator Robinson talks about her life before she became so successful. Take a listen. There were some uh, people from uh, the theater uh, group at Morgan State University mm. uh, met with uh, my daughter, not on And Still I Cry, but on Eyes of the Beholder. Okay. And uh, rewrote it into a screenplay and uh, so they were and still are working on that uh, but you know they they chose eyes of the beholder i actually wanted something done with uh, and still i cry especially uh now that people are talking about this me too movement mm-hmm. and uh i mean that's what that book is about it's about uh, me being uh, sexually abused by my stepfather. Mm-hmm. It's about uh, uh, the uh, actually the the rapes and the things that I went through and doing my time with the uh, court system when the system really wasn't kind to people mm-hmm. of color, especially women. Yeah, and uh, it talks about me. Uh, integrating the restroom and fighting for women to wear slacks and fighting for black women to wear natural hairdo and other things like that. And this is, this was in the sixties. And, and uh, so it wasn't in the 1800s, you know, it, it, uh, and I, I wanted to share that uh, because when people look at me now as this, quote unquote successful, strong black woman, blah, blah, blah. It didn't start out that way. And and that that's the reason I really do want that story told, the uh uh and still I cry story. I think those are important stories. You know, that we don't I think that like I look at my kids and I know that they don't know certain things. I knew things peripherally because I was born in 68. 68. Yes, ma'am. So I I got shoes older than you. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) But I know things peripherally, but through my mom. 
You know what I mean? Uh -huh. I watched her. And one of the things, and I know it sounds like a silly thing on a certain level, but I remember as a child, they used to play, I grew up in New Orleans. I don't know if they did this everywhere, but every year around the time of King's assassination, around the time of JFK's assassination, they played movies about them on TV. Mm -hmm. And my mom cried every single year. I watched her year after year after year crying. Mm -hmm. And I think that just by watching those films and being exposed to the emotion that she felt, I had a somewhat of a, a sense of what was going on, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And in fact, she was, I think she, the story she told me, she was actually pregnant with me when Dr. King was killed. And she, and see, what, go I, I, I can understand. It's like the emotion tied up in that, you know what I mean? Yeah. When, when he was killed, I was already uh, uh, married with uh, four kids, uh, living in the projects, welfare, uh, streets, you know, all of that stuff that people use as excuses for not succeeding, drugs, uh, alcohol, uh, you know, I was already out there, and I and I remember so vividly, so vividly exactly where I was. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, at that time I was working in a factory, and called and and uh, no one yeah and said look at the television. Well, naturally we couldn't look at television because I was a factory worker. Mm -hmm. But then they called us all into the office, and we actually saw. You know, so uh, I, I remember that so vividly. Yeah, yeah, I was already grown and 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 out there. Now, the book that uh, my daughter, well, actually, it, it wasn't she. It was someone at Morgan. They liked uh, Eyes of the Beholder better because that uh, it talks about ten women and things that they've gone through, and it's it's about um, uh, two women who are uh, uh, in love with each other, and it's about two men who are in love with each other, and it's about uh, white and black and black and white and old and young, young, etc. Mm -hmm. And someone asked me once, um, which one of those women in that book represent me? And actually, a number of them do. Um, my husband, you know, I went through uh, infidelity uh, with my husband, but I didn't sit around and go, woe is me and and all of that other stuff. I was out there too. So maybe a lot of people don't like the way I live my life, but that's my life. And so I did what I had to do in order to keep me sane. Mm. At the end of our marriage, we, you know, before he passed, we actually uh, did... Um, uh, had a had a beautiful relationship then, but it took years in order to get to that point. But when I wrote that book, I wrote the book in a fictitious setting, in a fictitious time, uh, in order to save my marriage, because I certainly couldn't come out and tell him that I was doing all those things that I was doing. Right. 
Right. That was so good. And it's a great reminder, y'all. It's not where you came from, but where you're headed that matters. If you're feeling down on yourself or others have been putting you down for mistakes you've made in the past, don't fret. Everybody makes mistakes and the lessons you've learned can help others. So don't be afraid to share your story. You never know whose life you will touch. Now, that's our show this week, guys. You can reach out to me online at urbanbookeditor.com or michellebarard.com. That's M-I-C-H-E-L-E-B-A-R-A-R-D.com. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram as Urban Book Editor. Send me a note. I'd love to hear from you. Feel free to send in some topics you'd like us to cover on the show. Make sure you guys listen to the show on May 10th, 2019, when my guest will be diversity and inclusion expert, Trust A. Loving. You can find us twice a month on Fridays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Mountain, 7 p.m. Central, and 8 p.m. Eastern at the somewhereinthemiddlepodcast.com. Let's continue the conversation. You guys be good, stay mindful, and remain prayerful. Peace and blessings, y'all.